Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. This afternoon, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Lines are wide open in the beginning of the show and tend to fill up as the show progresses and uh, the later the show usually uh it's a busy signal so if you want to get in get in now and you can always text me 720-336-0897 720-336-0897 had a great time of bible study last night we had our missionaries from jerusalem israel with us uh, to give us an update on the dynamic ministry that god has called them they live about 12 kilometers outside of jerusalem and they host short-term mission trips uh, limited to eight people, so they're small, intimate, and they're mission trips, not tours. Uh, and one of the benefits of going on tour uh, with us at Calvary Aurora, which we're taking a bus load uh, in February, is that we front load uh, and uh, end the trip with an option uh, to come early and serve with the mission and then join us on the tour, or after the tour is over, stay later a few days and serve, since you already have the plane ticket uh, and you're already over there, uh, then the, the price of staying and, and supporting and food and stuff is so so uh, minimal uh, for you to go to Israel. And and it's a great thing to, to, to what a bonus, to, to tour uh, and have the Bible vacation of a lifetime is what I like to call it, uh, where it just causes, as Pastor Chuck Smith used to teach us, and I agree, that a trip to Israel is worth a year in seminary. Uh, I I didn't get to go until I was 10 years old in the Lord, I think, something like that. And it absolutely um, opened my eyes, the topography, uh, the sights, the smells. Uh, the, the I was just looking at it in a Bible study preparing today, the archaeology, I can't say the word, but the archaeological, uh, archaeological digs and finds like, Recently, they just opened a new one called Magdala. You guys know where that is in the scriptures, Magdala. Uh, so we visit that now, uh, and that's a brand new one. They they were building a hotel there. Uh, the the Roman Catholic uh, diocese was building a hotel there, and whenever you dig, uh, whenever you build anything in Israel, you, you have to go through the Ministry of Antiquities, because if you find anything, all construction stops, of course, and they want to preserve everything. And and so it was actually a real big bonus uh, for this organization because not only will they they did they get to build their hotel and their their uh, church around the find, but now they have a place where you can stop, and it's a fascinating find, an uh, ancient um, synagogue and some uh, some artifacts that are there, uh, and and quite frankly, uh, in Magdala, Magdala, one of the most beautiful paintings that I've ever seen, uh, and it depicts, it's just a picture of feet, and it depicts the woman 
that's pressing through the crowds to touch the hem of his garment. Uh, so much so that you know I have a copy of it in my office. Uh, it is stunning, stunning, stunning. Uh, at any rate, uh, we are our Israel trip is full. Um, they are, they are. Um, uh, there are other Calvaries going on, but ours is full. We'll be as soon as we get back in two in uh, February. Uh, we'll be planning right away and announcing our 2019 trip in February, at Lord willing. And I know there's a lot of talk about the up, uprising and things going on in Israel right now, and the State Department just put out a a warning, uh, you know, a, a worldwide travel ban. But um, Israel is very safe, and we would never take anyone knowingly into a place that wasn't safe. Uh, and we've been through various uprisings in Israel, uh, and it's a very safe place. It's um, uh, it's a, it's a fascinating, wonderful place to go. I wish you could go with us in February, but we are full, full, over capacity full, uh, and we'll be going again in 2019, 2019. But um, anyway, we had a great Bible study last night, great time of prayer. Uh, it, the, the, the folks that are coming out to pray are just, it's so encouraging that we are growing in our prayer lives as a church family, not just individually, that God is answering our prayers. Uh, we, we gather together on a Wednesday night. We have communion together. We have worship and music together. We have, um, we've been writing personal notes to our missionaries uh, because, especially around the holidays, it's a hard time for them. And so we've been sending out notes to our missionaries, uh, which is awesome. We put them in a, a big envelope and then let the let them arrive let them arrive when when they do and and then we had mission update last night and then we're studying the book of second kings if you know it it's I, we're getting into the life of elisha but last night it was the ascension of elijah and we spent some time uh, because elijah enoch john are all pictures of the rapture suddenly taken up believers suddenly taken up and we spent some time just briefly looking at the doctrine of the rapture, pre-tribulational, premillennial is our view, our biblical conviction, and we looked at it and was greatly encouraged. So at any rate, 303-690-3000, this brief introduction, let all the lines fill up. So we're going to go right on to line number one is Chuck calling from Cheyenne, Wyoming. Chuck, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Good. I have a simple question. Okay. Um, the answer may not be simple, but uh, how do you get all this knowledge from your head to your heart? That's a great question. Have you tried to have you tried to answer it yet? Yeah, I have. I have been what's successful. One, I mean, what's I, one? I've, what what is one way you've tried to answer this? Research through the Bible, of okay. course. Okay. So, to me, it's a practical question. It's a it's a question of how do we take knowledge and have it become experiential? Is that a fair way to to restate that question? No. I. Okay. So, tell me what you think, because to I've me, the answer is super simple. I've okay. been a Christian since I was ten. Uh-huh. Um, I understand love is an action, and okay. things like that. Uh-huh. Um, I've been, I quit counting at 20 how many times I've been through the Bible. 
Uh, okay. I use a Thompson chain reference, and I yes. worn out. I'm wearing out my second one. All right. Uh, I have all this knowledge, and you know when people have problems, and I talk and counsel. I open myself up to the Holy Spirit to guide where I need to, t- you know, how what they need. Okay. And it it always works, but um, there seems to be a difference between, well, like let's take for a father, for example. I didn't have a very good father. Okay. So I have a hard time with a loving father. As an, as an example, okay? Now, I've, I've dealt with it, and I just moved on. But my question is, how do you get it from your head to your heart where it stays there? Are, are you married? Widowed. Widowed. When you got married, how, how long have you been widowed? 30 years. Okay, first of all, I'm sorry uh, that you're a widower and that you lost your wife. Is it okay if I use that illustration? No, that's fine. Okay, so remember remember the day you guys got married and you signed your certificate? Yep. And, you know, you know, for all intents and purposes, you could call that head knowledge. You knew that you were married, right? Right. H- how did that head knowledge get to the heart in your relationship with your wife? We were married five years, so I don't know that it completely did, but... Um, I think it did. When she died, it ripped out a part of me. Yeah, I mean, I think it did. I think five years is 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 very much uh, a very strong, loving relationship. And the the answer that I'm looking for, rather than keeping you on that path, is you you live according to your knowledge. You, right. You actually you do it. That's how things drop from the knowledge part to the experiential part, or the emotional part, or the conviction part. All of those. All of those things, you know, for the Greeks, the heart, and the Hebrews, for that matter, when the Bible mentions the heart, uh, it's similar to what you and I mean. It means the sum total of who we are. How is it that we gain some kind of knowledge, um, and and then it, it drops down into the experiential part? I think if you were asking the biblical writers, you know, what would James? How would James answer that question? James would say, "Faith without works is yeah. dead. It's lifeless. Lifeless is a great example." A, a great um, description of what you call not being in the heart. It's just a lifeless set of knowledge, a set of facts. You know, Paul would warn us. Paul would warn us to be careful of knowledge because it puffs up. But he said the thing that edifies is love. The thing that really builds up is the expression of love that comes from the knowledge of God. And so, as you work through, like you said, you've got some of these hindrances in your life some of these practical hindrances that are interrupting your trust in God, uh, that like, your, like the relationship with your dad and learning uh, that you had an imperfect dad like we all have, uh, and yours was probably worse than mine, but we both had imperfect dads, and that being careful not to project our human view of dads to the knowledge that we have of the perfect dad, our Father in Heaven, and then it, what it becomes a matter of exercising our faith and trusting God at what he says. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of hindrances, a lot of roadblocks, stumbling blocks in our lives that prevents us from taking that knowledge and putting it into practice. And, and I, I, I think that as you examine your life, the, the, the nexus or the, 
the origin of your question is going to have everything to do with the level of obedience. If we ask the same question to Jesus, what would he say? He says, if you love me, what? Keep my my commandments. And, And how is it that possible? But in John 15, to learn that abiding, daily, living presence in Jesus Christ, to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. And one thing that's outside of your control that you don't have any control over except your response is another thing that helps knowledge get to the heart is trials and tribulations uh, and the difficulties that disrupt our comfortable life and and put before us a choice. Will we, will we experience and trust God or will we rebel against him and experience our own flesh? Um, so, you know, the question, like you said, has got a lot of different facets to it, but putting what you learn into practice is the first step toward dropping that stuff from your head to your heart. Yeah. I, I don't have faith anymore. It's what do you have? Now. What do you have? So you, you don't, there's nothing in your life that requires, like in your estimation, there's nothing in your life that requires you to trust God? No, 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 no. You misunderstand. Okay, yeah, tell I me. What it, I don't have faith anymore because it's all fact in, in, my, in my head, my heart. I don't have to have faith because Jesus died for my sins. He was okay. buried on the third day he rose. That's fact. That's not faith. I mean, the fact that Jesus takes care of me, that's fact. Well, let, let's stop for a second. You, I think it might help. Let, let's stop because I, I get you now. So let, let's stop for a second because I think your definitions might be clouding your understanding. Um, were you there at the cross when Jesus died? No. But were you there at the at the what were you there at the empty tomb? No. So while those are facts, you didn't personally observe them. No. You're believing someone else's accounts of them, right? You're Partially, believing yeah. the evidence. The evidence. So yeah, you're believing the evidence. It's not the evidence was is you're right. The facts are the facts with or without your faith. But in order for you to have a relationship with God, you have to believe God at what he said. So even though, exactly, but you call it facts without faith, but you're, the only way that you can really believe, the only way you can hold on to those facts is by exercising faith. So I just suggest to you, you have more faith than you give yourself credit for. Well, I just, I just believe that it's, it's no longer faith, it's fact now. Well, it, it's never it never stops being faith because the Bible put it so important. This it's faith is so important that the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. That anything is not done out of faith is sin. The Bible says, and so as you're as you're processing, you know this spiritual growth in your life, and as you continue to progress in your relationship with God, just just remember that the the older we get. You know, and the the more experience and mature that we get, requires more faith on our part, not less. So, thanks for calling. I'm going to move on to the next guy, Chuck. God bless you, bro. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. You're welcome. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Great beginning to the show with Chuck. Let's move on to James in Aurora. James, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. God bless you. Hey. Uh, okay, my background is Pentecostal, and okay. I was always taught. That when I'm struggling, 
the ministers would always say uh, the way of a transgressor is hard. It's not hard being a Christian. But I've been listening to you, man, over <laughs> two years. You're and right. uh, you admit, uh, when you testify, you give your testimony, that it's not easy sometimes. And it's okay to admit that it's not easy. But you got to, you know, press on. So, uh, my, 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 I guess my question is this: um, Can you can you explain that to me? The way of a transgression is hard. So, how, yeah. how do I deal with that? Well, let, let's let's t- take that for example. That what what you t- what you were taught. The way of the transgressor is hard is true. That's a true statement. It's okay. a biblical statement. It okay. is. A person that's living in sin or suffering the consequences of their sin or rebelling against God or resisting God, that is hard. Um, The second part of what they shared with you is partially true. I don't want to dismiss it completely because as we abide in Jesus Christ, as we live in him, he literally lives his life through us. And in that respect, you know, living as a believer is is easy if you want to call it that. It is easy because as I submit to God, he enables me to live for him and obey him. And, you know, he does all the work. Like he saves us. We didn't save ourselves. He calls us. He, he It's all God and we get to cooperate with what God has done. So in that sense, there's nothing that we can do to, to be Christians. Like we, he does all the work. However, the Bible, including Jesus himself, tells us it's going to be hard in this world as a believer that not only are we taught that but the experience of believers uh throughout the bible uh show us followers of christ show and followers of god messiah by faith you know like the old testament saints i mean i i think of this um i think of uh let's see i think it's hebrews 11 toward the end there just listen to what happened to these guys uh you know as you it says um, others had trials of mocking, scourgings, chains, imprisonment. Some were stoned, sawn in two, tempted, slain with the sword, wandering in sheepskins, destitute. I mean, that sounds like a pretty hard life. Okay, okay. And so that. life, living the actual out, the outflow of a life, the wrestling against the flesh, the the resistance from the world, how the world hates the gospel, therefore hates believers, discrimination, um, you know, people lie about you, gossip about you. I mean, man, life is life can be very difficult. Uh, and just to summarize it, like it, it's hard for the sinner and it's easy for the believer, That that's not entirely true. Okay, okay. Well, help me with as a matter situation. Of, uh, as a matter of fact... There was even the opposite. I was thinking of the psalmist when he's was looking around at all these unbelievers and going, "Man, God, they don't they don't have any problems, you know? They 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 have all the money, all the cars, all the houses." And then it says, "Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood that the mm-hmm. end that they have is really bad." Okay. Okay. So now, uh, in the last few years, I don't claim to be a. Uh, Pentecostal, but non-denomination. But I'm still at a Pentecostal church, so okay. uh, uh, the way they, you know, a lot of times the way they, you know, do or teach, uh, I'm finding out that it is, it's it's out of context. And I'm still, I'm not going to leave, but okay, help me, help me to 
how do I deal with that? And I'm going to be in leadership. I'm, I'm, I'm actually in leadership. So how do I deal well, with that without leaving? You know, being in a being in a church family and wanting to come alongside uh, the leadership of a particular church to serve requires something that the Bible calls like-mindedness. Um, the idea of like-mindedness is that you generally agree with the do- I mean, you you explicitly agree with the doctrinal statement, and then you generally agree with how they do ministry. And if you continue to find, if you continue to find these things that are difficult for you to accept and believe, and you're not growing in your particular church, I have to say it's probably time for you to find another one, brother. Okay, but I am growing because of all the other uh, assets that I have. Okay. Calvary. <laughs> well, then talk to him. Uh, talk a lot then, of stuff then, that's connected to Calvary, and you know, that makes okay, sense. Well then, that's that's well, how I grew, and that's how I found out. Um, so, but what I don't want to do is leave the church hanging. If, if if I can go ahead and just you know hang in there, and maybe God can do a work. I I don't know. Hopefully, I'm not you know wishing something that's impossible. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's possible that He can do that. But, well, you'll 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 never leave the church hanging because the church belongs to the Lord. So He'll take care okay. of any gaps and any difficulties. I mean, whenever we move on, you know, even I left a church once when I moved to Colorado. I had to I, I left the fellowship family I was a part of for eight years, and and I wanted to leave the right way. So I made an appointment with the pastor. I told him what was going on in my life. We set up a process to replace all the. I was a single. I was a pastor there, so they found another pastor to replace me. And then I moved on. And so we always want to leave the right way if that's what God has for us. But you, you, your motives for staying can't be, you know, they, 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 you, they can't be that. You have to obey God. If he's telling you to move on, then you have to obey him. If he's telling you to stay, then you have to stay. Um, but don't worry about those little things. Let God, God's your provider. He takes care of the church you're a part of. So trust him and pray. Uh-huh. And let the let the Lord lead you. Hey, I, I tried to leave, and He told me that. Um, don't you think I know where I put you at, and I know what we're going to come, you know, forth? And so, in other words, He's not telling me to leave; He's telling me to stay. Great. So, but uh, then, I just then thought maybe you take, can uh, give me uh, uh, if, I, if I'm claiming myself to be non-denomination. Uh, I'm just going to just have to bear with it. Just. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I appreciate you, and I thank you. Think it through and call me back. Okay, sir. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's see. Oh, we got plenty of time. Let's talk to Donnie up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Donnie, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. So I... uh, just real quick, that's it was awesome that first caller that called in, uh, Chuck, that you had uh, already hit on John five. So, um, basic my question is is uh, I, I've talked to you about this before. I, I hold on to a uh, doctrinal view of eternal security, meaning that we can't lose it and we can't walk away from it. And I recently had some people point out some scripture, and they kind of get into more in depth of the audience of when that was written. So John fifteen, starting in verse five and verse six, is where it actually is uh it's got me wondering if this is a possibility it says if anyone does not abide in me um he is thrown away as branches and dries up and they gather him and they cast him into the fire and they are burned 
Um, and they pointed that verse out to me, and they said, just read it in itself and, and tell me what you think that is, because we're looking at the keywords abide, which means that you're a part of that. It means if we were crucified with Christ, if we died with Christ, we have salvation with Christ. And if you don't abide in him, meaning you can walk away or lose your salvation, I still don't interpret it like that. I was wondering if you could help me translate that or have a better perspective or a different way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, John 15, uh, first of all, we, we never we never take verses in isolation, right? Because the Bible right. is a is a book that is one unit, even though it's 66 books, uh, various authors, various continents, it's one unit. The Holy Spirit really is the author. And, and in particular, we can actually even isolate, if, if people don't like that answer, they can say, well, this was Jesus, and his, the, red word, the red letters are more important than any of the letters. And I'd even give that to someone in the discussion, uh, because even what Jesus is saying, we're going to have to compare with what he said at other times, right? Uh, right. And so let's start with John. Um, when, when he talks about the vine and the branches and the, the abiding, uh, the, the, the joy of abiding, and then he says in verse 6, if anyone doesn't abide in me, so that's a, that's a characteristic. This is a one, the way that if, if we're going to interpret this as losing salvation, then this is a one-time deal, right? Because if right. anyone doesn't abide in me, he's cast out and he's withered and they throw him into the fire. This is a one-time deal. And okay. we got to acknowledge that, that if, if we're going to take what Jesus is saying in relation to salvation, which I don't think is the topic here, I think the topic here is relationship not salvation, but uh, even that can be debatable. But let's just give it to the, let's let's concede to everything the person's saying and okay. say, okay, if you don't abide, you get one shot, man. The second you don't abide, you're out. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. That's it. And you can't come back because you're going to be burned in the fire if that's really what Jesus is meaning. Now, is that what he means? I, I don't think that's what he means. I think he's making a distinction of those that abide and those that don't abide, but but he's not making a distinction like you are a perfect abider, um, you know, like like who, which one of us would be the perfect abider? Like which one of us have a have, can say with absolute certainty that we have abided in Jesus Christ and bear fruit twenty four hours a day, seven days a week for the entirety of our relationship with the Lord? I can't. I can't either. Nobody. <laughs> so, so verse six. So, verse six can apply to me, and it can be taken as a statement, like your friend did, or it can be taken as a warning. This isn't a warning. Abiding in relationship is very important to the Lord. The word literally means remain and dwell and stay put. Um, so, can you hang on because we're coming up on the break? Yep, yep I can, Pastor. Yep. Okay, because this is a very important question, and I'll, I'll deconstruct it a little bit to, to help yeah. us learn not only the nature of salvation, but also what Jesus means here in John 15 and what the bigger picture is and what Jesus says. So hold on. We'll put you okay. back on hold, and then we'll come into the, the break on the first half of the program. I want you guys uh, to know you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at the Calvary in Aurora, Colorado. You're listening to Grace FM up and down the front range here in Colorado. And this program is also airing in on the Hope FM radio network on the East Coast. Uh, I noticed coming up we've got a Baltimore call, which is always cool. Uh, and so we are, we are on the air in Baltimore and Philadelphia, New Jersey, 
and we're glad that you guys on the East Coast are listening to us. And of, uh, of course, if you're on the East Coast, you're hearing it one week later. And if you're here in Colorado, you're hearing it live. And we've got a great, f- fascinating question on, on the nature of salvation and John 15 in particular. <clears throat> and what does the Bible have to say? And what does Jesus really have to say when it comes to salvation? And where do you fall? Are you, uh, are you a person that believes in that salvation is eternal? Or are you a person that believes salvation is temporary? That's really the question, isn't it? Is it eternal or temporary? At any rate, we're going to take a quick stretch break. I'm going to go get some water, and then we're going to be right back. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls, taking your questions. Just so blessed. was thinking today, just uh, got to to put together uh, just a really fruitful day of studying God's Word and preparing uh, for Christmas, preparing for next Wednesday, preparing for the new year. Just got a lot done today, and I'm just grateful uh, that we get to serve God. Yesterday was a great day at our church as well as we gave out some gifts for Christmas and just began, uh, had the opportunity uh, to express appreciation to the team, uh, to the staff that tirelessly either teaching our kids in the school or pastors or the administrative team, and not a big staff, uh, but a faithful, fruitful staff. And uh, at any rate, I hope you appreciate and are grateful where God has you and what God's doing in your life, uh, even the trials. You know, one day, I'm not there yet, but one day I'll be able to glory in some of the crazy things that God's allowed in my life, some of the crazy people that God's allowed in my life that have just been painful uh, and continue to be painful. Isn't that, a, isn't that you know, going back to that first question of that brother, man, it's like, like some of the worst pain I've ever experienced have been has come from people that said they were believers or has said that they loved me or had even served alongside of me at one time. Unbelievable. Uh, Cole, it's just, but the Lord is good. I mean, whatever you experience, Jesus experienced in his fullness because we have a high priest who knows how we feel and was tempted in all ways. And so I can just hide in the Lord and he'll take care of the people He'll take care of the issues. I, I'll take care of my walk with him. He'll take care of everything that concerns me. That's a great deal. At any rate, I want to get back to the phone lines because I got my brother in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Donnie. We were talking about John 15 and and what is commonly called eternal security. So, Donnie, you still with us? Yes, I am. So let me just give you the, the real simple view of John 15. I think verse 6 is a warning. I think Jesus is giving us two types of people people that abide and people that don't. The people that abide bear fruit, do great things. He prunes you back. There's, you know, there's discipline, there's growth, and the people that don't are unbelievers. That's what I think Jesus is saying here. Yeah, man, that's that's kind of that's kind of where I take it from. And that's, you know, but then you get some of these people that they're uh, more seasoned um, followers than I do, so it's some of these people. I'm I'm grateful that God has put them in my life that I can absolutely, you know, to to debate these things, but we do it in a healthy manner. Um, but you know, they they they're they're so 
um, stuck on it, and I guess the same can be said about me. I just I don't I don't see that, and I know that they look at, you know, they get into the hermeneutics, they get into exegesis and, and different studies to help you interpret those scriptures more. And um, I, I just I guess for the, the simplicity of how you put it, I don't see that as um, someone that was once a part of uh, of Christ and, and once a part and and it received salvation because see they. How they interpret it was is basically, see, it says that, that you're abiding in them. So we know that you're abiding. So that means that you've been, you've been inter- introduced, you now know him, but you didn't remain in him. You did not abide in him, so he basically cast you off. So well, let's I ask a better question. Let, let's ask a better question. That, okay. And, and let, me, let, me, let me speak to a couple things. Uh, hermeneutics, proper biblical interpretation are all important. So you and I are we we want to use those same skills to come to us to the same conclusion. So don't ever be intimidated by that stuff because when you read the Bible, you may not have all the skills or you haven't developed them yet, but you will. And my conclusions come the same way they came to it, the biblical text. So so let me ask let's ask a simple question. Okay. And and I'm going to ask it open-endedly. Who abides in Jesus Christ? I'm not going to give you any options. I think that's that would be us. That would be people that are that are saved and that have accepted Him. Okay, so so those that don't abide in Jesus Christ, it, let's put two categories. So I, I like your answer. So who abides in Jesus Christ? Believers or unbelievers? Believers. Who doesn't abide in Jesus Christ? Unbelievers. That's what Jesus is saying in John 15. It's pretty simple. Yep. That's. He, you see, and that's that's. I look at it, and I, to me, though, it stands out so clear. Um, but for the, the most part, you know that that does that just it gives me a good understanding of it. And I I've, obviously I, I I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody else, but it's it's actually led me to um, actually want to change um, a, a church that I'm going to. Yeah, I think that they're okay. very biblically sound, but I think that sure. that. The, the situation and the problems that I know with a lot of other people who struggle with this issue because uh, I've seen it time and time again. And then, of course, on the flip side, I hear them say, well, we've known, you know, John Doe for 30 years, and he walked away from the Lord, and he died. And they said that there's no more, you know, there remains no more um, sacrifice for them. And and then on the flip side, I'm sitting there thinking like, well, man, that doesn't, to me, it doesn't allow much hope when when the mentality starts to become which sin, which sin is going to finally do me in? I mean, we, right. we know that we're still going to sin. We, we need to repent. I, I, I don't think that it's... Um, yeah, but but let's, that let's, it's just stick, let's just stick to the text, because that's, where you f- that's when we start to feel inadequate, when we start to try to explain it by, by right. experience. So let's stick to the text. Let me give you another example, because I think okay. if we look at the nature of salvation, either it's eternal or temporary, it can't be both. Uh, And over and over again, it's called eternal, but that's a different discussion. Jesus gave us a parable. Remember, he gave us a parable that we often refer to as the prodigal son. Yep. And in that parable, he describes a man that had two sons. That's how it starts out. One stayed and one left, right? Another almost, almost, um, almost something very similar to John 15. Um, mm-hmm. you've got a son, you got two sons that are like branches that are in the father's house. One left and one stayed. Which one of those sons stopped being a son? 
No, neither one of them did. You mean the guy that left and took all his dad's money and basically told his dad to drop dead? He never stopped being a son. I nope. I don't. I don't. I think he's still. No matter what, he's still the son. Are you sure? You sure that he never stopped being a son? Like, are you sure when he was eating pig slop that that his dad didn't disown him and declare him not to be a son and write him off? And are, are you sure? I, I I believe that no matter what, that doesn't change um, his title. I don't believe that that takes away. I, I I believe that he's still the son and that's still the father. Yeah, I mean he I he, he had some issues there that. You know, obviously he was rebellious. <clears throat> he wanted to do his way, but I still think that he was still a son. Donnie, Donnie, he wasn't abiding in the father's house. He okay. wasn't abiding. So doesn't that mean he doesn't? Be, he's a, not a son anymore? I don't know. That's a tough one, Pastor Ed, I guess. No, I, no I, brother. No, I, I was just pressing you on purpose. I was making okay. you feel the weight of your belief. <laughs> There's no way in the world that he didn't stop being a son. Yeah, that's that, what, that's that's what I, and I've had people actually hit me up on the prodigal son. See, you can walk away from it. And I'm like, man, but you guys aren't. You guys are missing the bigger picture. What brought exactly. him back? What kept him? Exactly. You know? I mean, but you see how the feeling. You see how I put you in a place where you had this weird feeling. Don't yeah. let that affect you. Let the simple teaching of the Bible be what it is. He never stopped being a son. And when that, when things got tough, so a son is a son, no matter if he's behaving badly, a son is a son. And I know that gives people a hard time where, you know, we don't want anybody to live prodigally. We don't want anyone to rebel against God. We don't want anyone right. to live in sin. We don't want anyone to die in a prodigal living. Obviously we don't want that. But but their relationship with the father, I mean, a real, true, genuine. That see, that's the that's the real issue. Is we don't know who's saved and who's not saved. Right. That's that's the problem. We don't know the hearts of people. So then you begin to look at fruit, and yeah, some people can be like in Hebrews. Some people can be in church and they're faking it, and yeah. and you, it looks like they're saved. And then when they leave, you're like, well, they were never they they they, uh, they left their salvation. Well, I, I suggest, like John said. Uh, later on in in the in in First John, that they went out from among us because they weren't of us, and there is a group of people that would leave or walk away from God only because they were never saved to begin with. But yeah. I think I, I I'm sorry to make you feel that way, but I wanted you to feel the weight oh, of it. Because I appreciate it. Don't let people intimidate you with something that you know the Bible says clearly as day. Right. No, I go very into it, and I and I grew up believing that. My mom had, um, you know, had us in enough church. It's just, uh, you know, it seems like there's, it's. I see so many people. It's like fifty fifty. You know, there's some that lean towards more of a Calvinistic point of view. Some look and lean towards an Armenian um, type of view. But I, I do. I just. I don't. I don't see these scriptures, and I know I don't have the knowledge of them. But by I don't shy away from it. But I definitely make sure that I don't cause, um, you know, such a heated argument to where we leave um, unsettled and 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 bearing ill will towards each other. So I can. I feel right. very comfortable talking to a handful of people that they Good. don't see it like that. But we we remain respectful. And and the issue that I see is that is that causes so much division. It causes yeah. so much hurt when we're still supposed to be a, a family and a body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is, is the one that's going to 
um, do the work in it. And, and I see so many people just on those topics. And I have to admit, you know, in all honesty, it's it's caused some division in my own walk because, uh, you know, I've, I've been Pentecostal for the last six, seven years. Um, I, I have a brother that's a pastor, love him to death. I believe he's a great man of God. Um, and, and they hold different viewpoints on that. And it, it, sometimes it's been a, it's been a struggle, but in, in the end, you know, and, and anybody else that's listening that might be struggling with that, like what you're telling me, you know, hold, hold firm with that. I think it takes a great deal of faith to know that, um, you know, man, Lord, I know I'm not perfect and I'm going to sin, but I don't want to be going to bed every night or going throughout my day wondering which sin is going to finally do me in. And then I, and I simply just respond back to them. So then God's going to basically just say, oh, well, you know, good job my faithful servant, right. good job, you know, and then I'm going to burn all eternity in, in, in another place where I'm not belonging to the, to the body of Christ and, and obtain, you know, eternal security and, and obtain heaven. So it, it, it's just, it's a, it's, it's definitely a heavy debated topic, but I appreciate you taking the time and I'm sure you got some other callers, Pastor Ed. So God bless you and thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. And thank you, Pastor Ed. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Um, a couple of text questions real quick. I hear Calvinism mentioned a lot on this program. What exactly is that belief system compared to others? <laughs> That's a huge, that is a very huge question, but Calvinism was a system of of theology developed by John Calvin and his assistant. Um, I forget his first name, but his last name was Beza. Um, in its most simple form, um, it's an emphasis upon the total depravity of man, um, the limited atonement, the irresistible grace of God, uh, it, and the perseverance of the saints. Um, I can't remember what the fifth one is, the U right now. I'm sure someone will help me with it. Um, but Calvinism is a system of theology that's in most, is in um, the basis of Reformed theology. Um, Presbyterian churches, Lutheran churches all hold to some form of Calvinism. Uh, and it is one that really emphasizes the sovereignty of God and de-emphasizes the free will of man, or even saying that man is spiritually dead and has no free will. Arminianism, it's actually it was a response to Arminianism. Arminianism is kind of the opposite of all those points, and like I was going to tell my brother in Cheyenne, there's a third option, and that's neither of them. Uh, and that that is uh, my personal theological belief. I, I am neither... Calvin, Calvinistic or Arminian. There's a third option, and it's, you know, Calvinism and Arminianism goes back 500 years, and the church is much older than 500 years, and you can predate um, theology without going into some of these systems that have been developed. And um, Calvinism um, can be very, very dangerous because if you take it to its logical conclusion, then um, in in the definition of predestination, if God predestined some for heaven, then I've heard people say this from, from the pulpit, that God predestined some from hell. And that's just nonsense. Not biblical at all. It does not reflective of the love of God. So that's a simple, if you email me, pastored, calvaryroar.org, I'll send you a pamphlet that will help you understand Calvinism better. 303-690-3000. We're going to pick up with uh, Violetta in Denver. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Okay, I've got a question about the Bible on the verse of uh, Revelation, uh, okay. chapter 13 to 3. 13 and to 3? What, what do yeah, you mean? Yeah, I don't... 
On Revelation, I don't understand the that verse. Are you talking about thirteen three about the Antichrist? The fall of the the baby line, or is that was that the chapter eighteen? Eighteen or thirteen? You mentioned thirteen, so let's see. Eighteen oh, no, three 18. is yeah, eighteen. All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Uh, you know who is um, this woman who is Babylon, and and who has. You know, I think it's a one-world economic system that's controlled by the devil and the Antichrist, and it finally comes to an end at the coming of the Lord. Okay, so it's talking about the the rapture? No, no, it's talking no. about the fall of Babylon. In verse 2, Babylon is great, is fallen. Babylon's representative there of, of a worldwide what economic system. What, what is it meaning? What, what like, like... I don't know if you can like break it to me, but like, what exactly? Uh, what is it well, what, like? Well, what don't you understand? If Babylon is representative of a worldwide economic system, is that what you don't understand? Yes. Yeah. So, so you know how you can? Do you know how you can get on the internet right now and buy something from England on the internet? Okay. Okay. Have like you ever tried things. to do that? So that your money no. is good in England, and your money is good in Germany, and your money is good. Like if you're in if you're in Europe, they have something called the euro, and the euro that that dollar is good at different nations. Like nations don't have their own money, but if you ever travel, you could take dollars in your pocket, and almost everywhere I've ever been, they'll take your dollars. And so when you think of worldwide, oh, okay. think okay. of a worldwide system that's controlled in one place. Like, for example, do you rent or do you buy your house? No, I rent. Are you in an apartment building? Yes. Okay, so there's uh, maybe 100 apartments in your facility? Mm, very, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Not that many okay. of them, but yeah. Okay, so let's say there's 50 apartments. How many How many places do you guys pay your rent? Who? How many... How many places there's 50 apartments but how many places collect rent just oh, one I don't know. just one right you guys what? pay rent you pay rent okay. to the same person right yes that's yeah so okay so one person or one company controls your apartment and think of that one person or one company failed or went bankrupt what it would do to everyone in the apartment building. Like if they fell, you know, like it says in Babylon, if Babylon's controlling the whole world and they're and Babylon is against God and Babylon doesn't want anything to do with God, and then it falls, then the system that Babylon controlled is gonna collapse. It's gonna break. So, so why is it talking about um the the woman or that's in there that's well, the book uh, of Revelation, the book of Revelation is filled with signs and symbols, and sometimes something is referred to as a female. So Babylon is referred to as a female here. It's just a okay. figure of speech. Uh, it's a it's a system, and and Babylon um, is being referred to as a, f a female here. But it's it could be just if God decided to call Babylon a he, it wouldn't matter. It's still just a system. It's still just some a, a, a cultural system that's controlling the world at the time. Oh, okay. So, 
I mean, is that what is that what it's talking about, like right now? What's going on right now? Or I do. I think I think what's going on right now is a, is really the beginnings of a Babylonian type of control. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I I really do see the the world is sent is is centralizing around uh, certain leaders. The world is centralizing around money uh, and control and sin. You know, you think of it. All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of fornication. Look at our own state. Just look at what marijuana is doing. How how our leaders in our own country are making marijuana legal. Are are they not thinking straight? They're not. They're just thinking about taxes. And so when it says nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, it, it's a picture of like, you know, even the leaders for their own benefit are living according to the Babylonian system. Oh, okay. I I wasn't. See, see I, 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 I didn't know anything about that verse. That's why it was like. Well, that's a great question. It's a okay. great question. So here's what I would suggest yeah. you do. Here at Calvary Chapel, we we taught we taught through the entire book of Revelation, every single word, verse by verse. And if you go to our website, you can listen to those Bible studies while you're reading the book of Revelation. And I explain a lot of this stuff in those Bible studies. Okay, what about what yeah. about uh, Matthew's twenty five? What is that meaning about? Well, I'll tell you what, Violetta, you have to call back because I got other people waiting. So hold on to that question and call back again, okay? Okay. All right, then. All righty. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. And by the way, Violetta, um, I also taught through Matthew 25. So the good thing about teaching through the Bible verse by verse is that you can go back to the website and answer all these Bible questions because we address, most likely, we address the question as we were teaching through the Bible, which kind of leads up to this next question in line number one. Uh, Kenny. Hello? Kenny from Lakewood, Colorado. Kenny, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me, Pastor. You're welcome. What can I do for you? Uh, You're on the air. All right. Um, I just had a, a kind of a prayer question and a and a uh, a question. Um, I go to a church that teaches us uh, like on series. They teach like simplicity, and then uh, they did another one. Uh, that I'm going through right now. It's called What We Do. And I was just wondering, what's the difference between like uh, a Bible verse teaching church and a series teaching church? Or is there any kind of difference between those two? There really is. And I just want to say at the outset that I'm a very biased person when it comes to this because of being a pastor myself and the choices that I've made uh, and the way that I was saved and the way I was raised. So I just want to let people know that my... My, my answer will be slanted uh, toward verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching. I believe that's the best way for someone to grow in knowing the Bible and grow in their relationship with Jesus is to teach through the Bible. Um, the problem, a problem with teaching through series is that you never really address some of the more difficult things in the Bible. Uh, you never yeah. address... Sometimes you, they avoid the entire Old Testament like it's no big deal, but you'll never really understand the New Testament and the New Covenant until you understand the Old Covenant. And the okay. Old Covenant's explained to us in the Old Testament. And and so I was saved in a Calvary Chapel, and I was discipled both at a Calvary Chapel and on a radio station just like Grace FM. And, and then when I began to pastor, 
I am fully committed to teaching the entirety of the Bible verse by verse. Now, the problem, if there is such a thing, a problem with going verse by verse is that, you know, we never really do. Uh, that's not true because I do, but some guys don't 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 stop on and create some series. Like we're in a series right now on pain and suffering and victory in the Lord. Um, so, you know, we kind of do both, but we spend most of our time taking you through the Bible. Like that question in Revelation. Um, most yeah. likely, a church that teaches through series will never answer that question. Okay, and I because um, they'll never yeah, be in Revelation I, uh, eighteen. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's they'll never be in Revelation eighteen. They'll they'll teach on giving money. They'll teach on marriage. They'll teach on parenting. Yeah. They'll teach on being nice. They'll teach on living a simple life. But those are all most of the time. Those topics come from our culture. And the Bible needs to invade the culture. The culture doesn't need to shape the Bible. And that's just kind of how I look at it. I I firmly believe yeah. that all the pastors listening to me right now should start teaching the Bible verse by verse. It doesn't matter what church they are, but, you know, most people won't. Yeah, and I know I was online last night with uh, you guys when you were doing your Bible study with King and just going through there and how you, like, read through, uh, like, a sentence in the Bible and then you— you kind of broke it down into to like into a life event or something. And I was getting more from that than I do when I go to my church. But yeah, I would I would and I listen to Grace FM every day from in the morning to when I get home at six. And I get so much yes. more from that and you know being online with you than I think do when I go to go to where they're at teaching on series. I, I know that it's a popular method, but um, I I think even if I was saved in a church like that, I would have gravitated toward the whole Bible for the whole Christian. And and we we practice um, uh, we practice what's known as expository teaching, where you read the text, you interpret the text, and you explain the text. I mean that it, yeah. it's we read it. This is what it means. This is what it means for your life. Uh, we read it, this is what it means, this is what it means for your life, and this is the way God re- wrote it, this is the way he reserved it, and a person that teaches through series tend to not only just do the same ones all the time, but they, they never have to, they, they rarely, ha- unless they choose to, they rarely uh, have to deal with difficult topics, uh, they don't cover the the full context of what the Bible is, it's easy to teach just your popular, whatever a pastor likes to teach, and and I'm just glad that I was saved in a church that taught me how to do this, that told me to do it, and I'm not, until I meet Jesus face-to-face, I will not stop teaching through the Bible. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I, I feel you on that, and I think, because I only live a few blocks from Calvary, Balmore, and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that church out this weekend. You should. I think you'll be very blessed there. Scott is a good man, uh, and the, the Lord is doing great things in that ministry, and uh, there's a freshness about it, and and I think it, at the very least, as you go and worship with them, the Holy Spirit can minister to you as Scott's teaching you through whatever Bible uh, book they're in uh, and show you where exactly you belong. But I'm partial. I want everyone to know that, and I'm unashamedly. I'm, I, I appreciate the larger body of Christ, but I am partial to my fellowship family, uh, and I encourage for the Calvaries that I'm in fellowship with and that these guys are my friends— that's who I'm going to point people to, but but I have a lot of friends, so I don't just direct to Calvary's. A lot of guys are doing expository that aren't yeah. Calvary Chapel, so that's good too. But you know, my family's my family. Yep, I hear that. 
All right, man. Well, God bless you, bro. You too. And I was just wondering if you could pray for me. Um, my mind keeps battling with my heart. My mind tells me that God don't have no place in his kingdom for me. He don't want me. And then my heart just tells me, no, dive into that Bible, read that Bible, and put it in your life. And it's just been a battle between the two lately. All right, Father, I pray for my brother as we come up to the end of the show today and just Kenny looking for that place where he can grow. And and Lord, I do pray for the churches that love you uh, and pastors that love you. And, and maybe they're not teaching verse by verse through the Bible, but they love you and they serve you. And, and may you expand their ministry a little bit. I know I've added series into my teaching, so perhaps God in them, they, you can add verse by verse into their teaching and we can win this city for Christ and see people grow like Kenny that Kenny could land. I pray for this visit to Belmar, uh, Calvary Belmar, and the ministry team there, that it would be an experience that will bless him and encourage him and strengthen him as he seeks to live his life for you. Uh, help him in this struggle, God, this wrestling, like Paul put it, the flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, that you might be glorified in Kenny's life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right, bro. You're welcome, man. All God right. bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, we're up at the end of the show today. Thank you guys so much for being a part of uh, a small part of our station. Don't forget to give, especially at the end of the year. We could use your year-end gifts uh, to help us plan for 2018. Just go to gracefm.com, gracefm.com. You can give online right there. uh, And we'd be blessed for your support. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your support. And keep serving Jesus till he comes. He's coming soon. Maranatha. Even so, Lord, come quickly. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.